Good morning. Greet each one of you in the name of Jesus. It truly is good to be together this morning. I wonder if I would ask you uh, what your experience is here at Myerstown. You come to Myerstown to church and and sing together and worship together and and, uh, study the word of God together. What is, how would you describe that? There, uh, there's a various amount of words that could be used, but hopefully one of the words that you would use would be, well, it's like heavenly. It's a foretaste of heaven to be together with like-minded people, people that are worshiping and just the, the joy of singing together and worshiping together. Yeah, it's heavenly. The truth is that this morning, uh, about an hour and a half from here, In the city of Philadelphia, there's a section called Kensington Avenue where it's just uh, the streets are just littered with tents and people sleeping in cardboard boxes. And uh, most of them are uh, addicted to drugs, a lot of fentanyl and what have you. And it's just a a very, very sad uh, part of town. There's a lot of cities in the United States that have a section like that. And there's different ministries trying to work with these people and help them. And oftentimes they, they interview the addicts and, uh, and they often say, well, what, how would you describe Kensington? And they say, almost always the first word is they say, it's like hell. Now, they've never been to hell, but they, they describe it. It's like hell. And so this morning, you and I are gathered together to worship and we would describe our gathering like this is heavenly. So what a contrast, what a, what a big difference. And there's, there's one reason that you and I can be experiencing this and being enjoying this as much as we are, and it's because of Jesus. He's the difference. If it, if it wasn't for Jesus, we could also be living in Kensington. Another sad thing about Kensington is when they interview these people, they, they often say, when's the last time you shot up? And they'll say, well, just right before I talk, just an hour ago. And uh, so you're enjoying it. No, I'm not high. No, I, I don't get high anymore. I, I have to keep shooting up just to, just to survive. The high is gone. And so what started out to be a, a high and, and uh, you, in their drug use turns out if they stay on it long enough and they don't kill themselves, after a while it's just that they have to do it just to maintain and that they know that if they, if they go off of it, there's going to be this horrible withdrawal that they have to go through. So in the world, there's, there's, uh, there's God and there's Satan, two rulers, if you will. And we, you and mankind gets to choose uh, if they're going to serve Satan or whether they're going to serve God. And that ultimately... Uh, is our experience in life. Either we're experiencing heavenly things or we're experiencing when it gets to the, the very bitter end of serving Satan is it's a hellish experience living on earth and it's, it's so horrible. This morning uh, for a message of, let me start like this. Uh, We've been having a very mild winter. In different times, I comment and I say, uh, "I just I, I look out the window time and time again. I look out the window and I say to Marion, what a blessing! One day closer to spring, and it's just a pleasant. We're just pleasant. January, February, 
And then occasionally people remind me and they say, you're forgetting about Christmas. Yeah, that was, we had a, a, a real cold snap. We were spared the snow for the most part, but we had this really, really cold uh, spell over Christmas. And if you remember, something happened here in Christmas morning. When we pull into the church parking lot, it's like the first thing I see is the signs all painted up. There's graffiti all over the sign out front where it says Myerstown Mennonite Church. The word Mennonite was blacked out, so it just said Myerstown Church. And it, it brought back uh, some memories to me of being, I went to public school, and occasionally, didn't happen often, but occasionally somebody would hurl, the, uh, they would try to insult me, and they would say, Mennonite, they would call me a Mennonite. And so when I saw the sign, I thought, boy, who hates the Mennonites? Who would take the time to, to uh, mess the sign up like that? And, of course, I discovered, as many of you did later, that when Nate came that morning to open the church, that the whole front of it was the doors were egged. And so he was out there cleaning eggs off in freezing weather, which is not a, a pleasant job. But somebody had seen fit on a very cold, windy night to come out and egg the church and to paint the sign. And the question uh, probably a lot of us had was, who hates us that much? Or why would somebody take the time and effort, buy eggs that are very expensive, and brown ones at that, and throw them at the church? But somebody told me, well, they, most likely the eggs were stolen, and that's probably true also. A few days later, a man was arrested, and we discovered that what he was actually trying to paint on our sign was the words that, that we find in Daniel chapter 5. If you remember, King Belshazzar uh, had a feast for his thousand uh, of his lords, and he had the vessels brought that they had taken from uh, the temple in Jerusalem and had them drink from these uh, vessels. And as they were doing that, suddenly there was handwriting on the wall. And the words that were written on the wall were in Aramaic. And they were uh, the words, meeny, meeny, tiko, your Pharisee, or something like that, if I'm pronouncing it right. And so Daniel's all worked up, and he, or not Daniel, King Belshazzar's all worked up, and he's like, what does this mean? What's the meaning of this writing on the wall? And he calls his magicians, and they couldn't decipher the writing on the wall. They didn't know what it was. And they said, well, how about getting Daniel? Daniel has a way with things like this. And so they got Daniel to come, and Daniel said, this is the interpretation of the thing. God hath numbered thy kingdom and finished it. Thou art weighed in the balance and are found wanting. Thy kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. And so that's what is on the Myerstown church sign. It's like not a, not a very pleasant thing to write on, on somebody's sign. Like we've been weighed in the balances. We're found wanting and our kingdom's been given to, to the Medes and the Persians. Why would he take the time to write that on our sign? Why does he hate us? What does he have against us? I asked myself the question, probably a lot of you did too, what did we ever do to him? If he would have come Sunday morning, we would have welcomed him in and, and invited him to worship with us. Instead of, instead of that, he's out there uh, egging the church. Why do you hate us? Did we do anything to deserve this? Be another question we could ask. The message title this morning is, 
Why does Satan hate us? Why does Satan hate us? This question is a question that can be asked of believers and unbelievers could ask this question because it's true that Satan hates unbelievers and believers. He hates all of mankind. Satan hates mankind. What did I or you ever do to Satan to cause him to hate us? What do we do? That he hates us. I think to, uh, to balance this message, I'm going to have to preach another message. And that message would be, why does God love us? And that can also, an unbeliever and a believer can ask that question because God loves all of mankind. This morning we're thinking about why does Satan hate us? And we need to start with uh, the question, who is Satan? In John, turn to the Gospel of John in the very first chapter, Gospel of John chapter 1. John 1, the first three verses. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So Satan is a created being. He was made by God as Lucifer, and today we know him as the devil. I cannot prove this, but I believe that, uh, that, that Lucifer was an archangel, probably the chief of the three archangels. We read about archangels in the New Testament, Michael and Gabriel. But we don't read about Lucifer in the New Testament. The, the book is a, one of the reasons I believe this, and there's, there's various reasons, but it cannot really be proven by Scripture. But the book is, is a book of trinities. There's a lot of trinities in the Bible. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, the most familiar. Uh, Bible talks about the Spirit, the water, and the blood bear witness on earth. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost bear witness in heaven. And the beast, the false prophet, and the dragon form the satanic trinity. And the mark of the beast is 666. There's just a lot of, of trinities. And if you go to, let's go to the book of Jude and just look at two verses in the book of Jude, which I think help us to understand, at least help me to understand Lucifer and, uh, and help me to believe that he may well be, uh, may well have been originally one of the, the three archangels. In Jude verse 8, it says, Likewise also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignities. Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke thee. So here we have, in this setting, we have Michael simply refusing to, to go up against Lucifer, but said, the Lord rebuke thee. And I believe uh, recognizing the, the authority that that. Lucifer once had before he was before he was fallen. Now let's go to the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 28. In Ezekiel chapter 28, it's a very interesting chapter. And it's speaking about the, the king of Tyrus, 
but I believe it's a, it's a dual prophecy as you read through it, and it's also speaking about Lucifer and Lucifer's fall from heaven. The city of Tyre was, is, was, would be today uh, southern Lebanon, and at the, in Bible times it was known for building its wealth by exploiting its neighbors. And, and if you read Ezekiel chapter 28, like uh, verse 2, or verse 1, it says, The word of the Lord came again unto me, saying, The Son of Man say unto the prince of Tyrus, Thus saith the Lord God, Because thine heart is lifted up, and thou hast said, I am a God, I sit in the seat of God, in the midst of the seas, yet thou art a man, and not God, though thou set thine heart as the heart of God. Behold, in verse 3, thou art wiser than Daniel, there is no secret that they can hide from thee. With thy wisdom and with thine understanding, thou hast gotten thee riches and hast gotten gold and silver into thy treasures. By thy great wisdom and by thy traffic hast thou increased thy riches and thine heart is lifted up because of thy riches. And here I believe it's, it's generally speaking about the, the king of Tyrus. But then when you get into, into uh, let's come down to verse 6. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, because thou hast set thine heart as the heart of God. Behold, therefore, I will bring strangers upon thee the terrible of the nations, and they shall draw their swords against the beauty of thy wisdom, and they shall defile thy brightness. They shall bring thee down to the pit, and thou shalt die the death of them that are slain in the midst of the seas. Wilt thou yet say before him that slayeth thee, I am God, but thou shalt be a man and no God in the hand of him that slayeth thee? Thou shalt die the deaths of the uncircumcised by the hand of strangers, for I have spoken it, saith the Lord God. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, and now here's where I feel it really begins to be a dual uh, prophecy and starts speaking about Lucifer. It says, Son of man, take up lamentations upon the king of Tyrus and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum of full wisdom and perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in Eden. Now we know that the king of Tyrus was never in Eden. And so... Here, I believe, it's, it's speaking specifically about Lucifer, who we know was in Eden. Uh, thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering. The sardis, the topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle and gold. The workmanship of thy tabrets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou wast created. And we know that Lucifer was created. The king of Tyrus was born, but Lucifer was a created being, created uh, by God. And a lot of people believe uh, from verse 13, and it's probably true, that, that, he was, uh, that Lucifer was, had a wonderful voice and was able to, to sing and, and what have you. And they feel it's talking about that in verse 13. Verse 14 says, Thou art anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. We know that Lucifer was originally with God in his presence in heaven. Verse 15, thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created until iniquity was found in thee. And so 
Lucifer, this beautiful created being that God created, there was iniquity found in his heart. And this uh, portion of scripture parallels in a lot of way, Isaiah chapter 14. And here Lucifer is, is uh, there is iniquity found in his heart. Verse 17 says, thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou, was, thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness, and I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. Uh, and I can't explain all of that. It, it's difficult to understand how uh, Lucifer created as this uh, beautiful uh, angel, how he could, there's, there's a sin found in his heart and his heart is lifted up. And there we have the very origin of sin. But we know that because of that and because sin cannot coexist with, with God, God threw him out of heaven, tells us in Revelation that there was war in heaven and, and, and Satan was tossed from heaven. And where was he cast? He was cast onto the earth. And he had been in Eden, the garden of God. We read in verse 13, we know that he was there. He was anointed cherub in verse 14. In the language of today, it, we would say that he was the high sheriff of the throne of God. That's not original with me. Some of the Bible commentaries I read on this portion of scripture uh, said that if you, if you take the original language, it would mean that he was the high sheriff of the throne of God. And there was iniquity found in his heart. It also tells us in verse 15 that he was perfect in the day that he was created. Perfect until iniquity was found in him. There's a, so he's cast down to, to earth. There's an old saying that goes like this. It says, if you're going to kill the king, you better wouldn't miss. And Satan went after God, but he was not able to uh, take God out. It was his, his original intent. He wanted to put himself in the place of God. But he, so to speak, he missed. And he was cast down to earth. Now let's go to the to the book of Genesis. What did what did Satan and we're thinking about this morning why does Satan hate us? We'll get there after a while. Why does Satan hate us? What was and another thing that we can't totally understand is the time frame of all this happening. We know that Satan was in the Garden of Eden, so we know he was already cast down to earth. He was a fallen being when he was in the, in the Garden of Eden, and he uh, deceived Eve there in the Garden of Eden. I believe uh, in, in verse 2 describes the way the earth was when Satan was cast down to it. It says, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And so it was, we had a six-day creation, and Satan was cast down to earth. He was in the Garden of Eden How uh, after Adam and Eve were, were uh, created. 
how long was it from then until when, when Satan confronted Eve in the Garden of Eden? Can't know for sure. I, I suppose it wasn't a real long, uh, a, a lot of time in between. There could have been. We, don't, we can't prove that. We don't know for certain. But, and we don't know for certain either what Satan found when he was cast down. But my idea would be that he found an earth that was, that was without form and void. And then Satan got to, he got to experience God creating, uh, taking, taking what was dark and void, and God moves upon the face of the waters, and he creates this beautiful world in which we live. Suddenly, there's the mountains and the seas and, the, and, and everything, and you, you read down through Genesis, and after a while, it's the, it's the animal kingdom. All these animals are, God speaks them into existence and places them here. And just imagine, if you will, Satan observing all this happening and say, wow, you're remodeling my house. This is pretty neat. I can, this is, this is all right. I, this is, this is, this is wonderful. Uh, a place that I can enjoy hanging out in or spending my time in. And I, I assume that Satan got to observe creation. But then let's go down to, uh, let's go down to verse 26 in chapter one. And after a while, we all know what happens uh, on the sixth day of creation. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion. Well, let me stop there before we get to the dominion part. Uh, why does Satan hate us? First of all, Satan hates God. It's God is Satan's enemy because he went up against him. He lost. He was cast down to earth. And so he, he despises God. Satan hates God. Satan can only hate. There's no love to be found in Satan. He is a hateful individual and he hates God. He's cast down to earth. Now he watches God create this beautiful uh, world in which we live. And then of all things, Satan had to be watching that. He had to be uh, anticipating, you know, this is pretty nice. I get to live here. Now we have this animal kingdom and, and this is my realm. This is where I function on earth. And then of all things, God makes mankind and he makes them in his own image. We reflect God. And Satan had to be like, you've got to be kidding. You did this and they're going to live here. This is my realm. I'm the prince in the power of the air here. And suddenly earth has people created in God's image living here. And I hate you, God, and I hate them because they remind me of you. I look at them and I think of you and I hate it. I don't need this. And then to make matters worse, in verse 26, God says, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. And Satan had to be like, ah, you got to be kidding. They have dominion over everything that you created. They look like you. And I hate you, God, and I hate them. I don't need this aggravation. I don't need to every I don't need to be looking at these people who remind me of you and they have dominion over everything. 
and Satan, I believe, was very, very unhappy. So primarily speaking, the, the, very, the very number one reason that Satan hates us is we are made in the image of God. There is nothing that you or I did to deserve Satan's hatred and wrath. Nothing. We didn't do anything. When the church got egged and the sign got, we didn't do anything to the man. We would have welcomed him in. We would have, uh, we would have, there's a lot of people trying to help him. And he was, and he showed his anger and hatred towards us. In the same way, there's nothing that we could do to deserve Satan's hatred and wrath. We're not big enough, we're not good enough, and we're not bad enough for Satan to, to do anything to Satan that would make him hate us. But God made us in his own image, and for that very reason, Satan hates us. So, Satan goes to work in the Garden of Eden. He hates created mankind. He hates Adam and Eve. He gets right to work, and he deceives Eve in the garden. And we don't have time to go through all of that. We know the story. We know what happened. But he deceives Eve, and Adam falls also, and they died a spiritual death, not a physical death. They died a spiritual death there in the garden and suddenly, with that one slick move from Satan and the way he deceived them, they suddenly no longer have, even though they're made in God's image, Adam and Eve suddenly have a fallen nature, which is like Satan's. In fact, you go to the New Testament and Jesus himself says, uh, he calls, the, calls some people there in the New Testament, he says, uh, you're a liar like your father. You, you have a, a satanic nature. You, have, you are wicked. You are fallen. And so Satan won, if you will, a great victory there in, in the Garden of Eden. Suddenly man's fallen. Suddenly they're, they're, they're like him. Even though they look like God, they have a fallen nature. And they're, they're now following the, the dictates of Satan. And what a, what a sad day that was. Satan immediately uh, in, is influencing mankind in an incredible way. He goes after, uh, he goes after Cain, Adam and Eve's children, and uh, he goes out and slays his brother. All the finger marks of Satan working and, and controlling uh, mankind. Approximately 1,600 years passed. Let's go to Genesis chapter 6. Go to Genesis chapter 6. After 1,600 years of Satan being the prince and the power here on, on, on earth and of him uh, manipulating mankind, mankind being under his control, you get to Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5 says, 1,600 years later, and God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. So you want to talk about, uh, talk about success. Was Satan successful? 
Boy, was he ever. Mankind that was created in God's image with the ability to have a personal relationship with God as Adam and Eve did there in the garden. After 1,600 years, practically every man that lived on earth, they were just, their thoughts were wicked continually. Satan had to be delighted. But you know, one of the amazing things is that even when, even when people are living for Satan, he still hates them. He never loves them. Satan has, there's no love to be found in Satan's heart. And so Satan hates the ungodly and he hates the godly. There's no love to be found there, but there was certainly a lot of bad things happening on earth. In the back of Satan's mind, and we know after this that uh, Noah was, was saved, we had the flood and the ark and what have you, and so there was this righteous remnant of people that, that remained and, and uh, were still on earth. There was always a, a righteous remnant. But Satan remembered the promise that God made there in the Garden of Eden that there was going to be, from the seed of a woman, there was going to be a savior and that it was going to crush Satan's head. Satan knew that. I believe he was there, he heard it, he knew it's going to happen. And so Satan was very intently watching mankind and observing mankind and being uh, determined to stop this plan that God had and somehow destroy the Savior of mankind. And we see that in, in the Bible as, as well. He just, uh, Satan attempted to destroy the seed by which Jesus would be born. He does... Uh, all kinds of damage, but he did not succeed. And some 2,400 years later, the Virgin Mary gives birth to Jesus. And Satan was furious. Where he is the prince and the power of the air, and suddenly there the Savior is born. Satan did everything in his power to destroy Jesus. King Herod killed the children two years old and down. Satan took on Jesus in the temptation in the wilderness. He worked through Judas Iscariot. And he was instrumental in, I believe, all of the events leading up to the crucifixion. Jesus is, is crucified there in the cross and Satan had to be, yes, we we got it. We did it. They sent soldiers to guard the tomb. But on the third day, Jesus rose victoriously, which was a gigantic defeat for Satan. There, we can't even understand in our finite minds how great of a deal that was for God and how, how it defeated Satan. In 2 Timothy 1 uh, verse 10, it says this, Jesus Christ hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace are you saved through faith that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, the plan of salvation, O glory. And it's open for everybody. And Satan observes this. He sees this happening. So Satan hates us because we're made in God's image. 
and Satan double hates us and triple hates us when we're born again. When we're born again and we receive that free gift of salvation and we are taking God's nature upon ourselves, the Holy Spirit moves into our lives, takes up residence in our hearts, and now we are controlled by God's Spirit. We're controlled by God. Not only do we look like, not only are we made in the image of God, but we display the character of God, which you don't do with a fallen nature. And Satan sees that and he really, really hates it. So Satan hates everybody, but he really hates Christians. He really hates us. He has a deep-rooted hatred for us. First John 4, 4 says, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And to the seven churches, Jesus repeats seven times, to him that overcometh. And so the truth is that you and I have within us the power to be overcomers. We can live a life of victory. We can live a life that is pleasing to God. We can live a life that we're not only, not only do we have the, that we're, we're not only made in the image of God, but we are now displaying the character of God and Satan hates it. He despises it. So it's nothing we did. We couldn't control. You and I were born with a sinful nature. We couldn't control that. But when we, and, and, and Satan hated us, hated us the, from the minute we were born because we remind him of God. We're made in his image. But we had a sinful nature but when you and I, through faith, accepted the Lord Jesus Christ and became Christians, Satan really hated us. Now we have the character of God, and he despises it. He hates it. He can't stand us. But the good news is, it's never nice to have somebody that hates you. Some of you know what it's like to have somebody... Hopefully you don't have anybody like this. Maybe you think back in the past at a time in your life you did. But if you have somebody that just despises you, does not like you, that is not a pleasant thing. The truth is we all have uh, Satan despises us. He hates us. And nothing that we necessarily did. He hates us because of who we are. The battle is very, very real, but it is also very, very worthwhile. We are on the winning team. God, when God already threw Satan out of heaven and threw him to the earth, it was God determined back then that Satan's end is going to eventually be the lake of fire. And there is no room for Satan cannot repent. He cannot, he, that is, he is doomed. He, that, that his fate is sealed. But mankind has the ability to accept Jesus Christ and to, have, and to spend eternity with God. 
So the battle is very real, but it is very worthwhile because we are on the winning team. Sometimes, uh, sometimes we forget that. The longer that, we're, the longer that we're Christians and serving the Lord, sometimes we forget about the blessings of being a Christian. Think back to, to the story I opened with about Kensington in Philadelphia. That is, and those people say, this is hell on earth. And that's, that is Satan's intent. That's what Satan wants for every one of us. So I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, we have so much to be thankful for. If you're here this morning and you can say, this has been a heavenly experience, worshiping together, singing together. We have so much to be thankful for. This is God's plan. And God has more. He has much more than we can even realize in the future for us. God loves us. Satan hates us. Why does Satan hate us? Because we're made in the image of God. I want to go back to Christmas again. I believe it was that same weekend. There was a a terrible snowstorm in western Pennsylvania and New York and and, uh, areas west of us. They were saying we might really get it, but we didn't. We got the cold, but we didn't get the snow. Well, back in... uh, when that snowstorm was, there was a, out in western New York, there was a man by the name of Jay, uh, Jay Weathy who was found himself trapped in a snowstorm. And it was, it, was, uh, it was extremely bad. There was like four or five foot of snow, and it was just terrible winds and bitter cold. And actually, a friend had called Jay and said he was trapped in the snow and wondered if he could come get him. He said, the emergency, emer- I called 911, and they won't send any help because it's too dangerous. And so Jay went out to try and rescue his friend, and he got stuck in his four-wheel drive truck and couldn't go, and it was just awful. And after a while, Jay started realizing, he said, you know, uh, if I don't do something, I'm going to die because I have, I'm almost out of gas. He had a quarter tank or something. There's no way I can make it through the night, uh, and I need to find shelter or I'm going to die in this, in this pickup truck. So I read this story in the news that said he went, this is hard to believe. But supposedly true, he himself said it. He said he went to 10 different homes and knocked on the door and said, could I please get in the warm and sleep on your floor tonight? I need shelter. I'm going to die out here. And 10 different people turned him away and said, no, we don't, can't come in here. And so he went back to his truck and got his phone out. And was looking on his phone. And remember, this is just a blinding snowstorm. And he, he wasn't sure what area he was in. So he he was able to take his phone and look where he's at. And he's like, you know what? There's a public school not far from here. And uh, I'm sure it's warm in there. So he he used his phone and got over to this school and broke a window or door or whatever and forced his way in to the school and found shelter. It was warm. And he's in there. He's like, okay, I'm I'm safe. But he, he wasn't there long until he started thinking of the cars he walked past with people in on his way to the school. And he's like, I can't stay here. And I know there's people, those people are going to die out there. And so he, he started going out to a vehicle and bringing people back to the school. And he brought 24 people back to the school and was the, the mayor of the town or whatever, credit him with saving the lives of, of 24 people. And... 
the next day they were able to, uh, uh, they were rescued or whatever and, and got, got to safety, but the, they found safety in the school. And so Jay was asked later, they said to him, they said, aren't you bitter about the 10 people that rejected you and wouldn't let you in? And by the way, they said one of them came to him, found him later and was crying and said, I couldn't sleep all night. I just couldn't sleep knowing that I wouldn't let you, you know, that I rejected you and he wouldn't let you in. But Jay said, no. I'm not bitter because if one of them would have left me in, if I would have found shelter, I probably would have just stayed there and maybe those 24 people would have perished. But me forcing my way in and finding safety on my own made me, just made me, motivated me to go out and rescue more people. And so I closed the message, I closed the message this morning with that story you know, we could be, we can sit around in, in, uh, in life and we could be bitter and say, this is awful. Satan just hates us. He's out to get us. Even after I've accepted the Lord Jesus as my Savior, he hates me more yet. And I have to endure and be faithful to the Lord. And Satan's, I have this enemy. He's just out there to destroy me. He wants to destroy me. Every, he's just always after me. Well, in the New Testament, I forget exactly where it is, but it talks about as, uh, as Christians, we pressed our way into the kingdom. Kind of like Jay broke his way into that school. And, and we one day we said, you know what? I'm sick of living for Satan. And we turned and we put all of our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus and we found safety. But guess what? There's more people out there in their cars perishing in a snowstorm. And so it's, it's our responsibility to use this. Uh, we're made in the image of God, but now we have the character of God and we can use that to urge others into the kingdom so that others could be saved, so that others could find safety. It would, it would have benefited Jay nothing spending the rest of his life being bitter about the 10 people that rejected him. Satan has had not had no good intents for us and he rejected us good he rejected good for us time and time and time again and so we on our own found good as we surrendered ourselves to the Lord Jesus and we found safety in his house and in his kingdom but now let's use what we found to the benefit of others as Jay did and help others into the kingdom why does Satan hate us? He hates us because we are made in the image of God and he hates us many, many more times over after we become Christians. Isn't it amazing? Just think about it sometime, how, how all the people that are living for Satan, and each one of us was at a day two, we were, before we were born again, we were living for Satan. He was our father. We were we were living for him. We were doing his dictates. We were following him. We were involved in evil and what have you. And, and even as we were doing that, as his faithful followers, if you will, he hated us. He hated us. Because that's all that Satan can do. He is just, he is 100% uh, hateful and spiteful and, and hateful. And so... He hated us, and now he continues to hate us many more times because we're God's children. But 
We need to be faithful and we need to endure to the end. And the one that loves us and has always loved us has prepared a great place for us to spend eternity. Isn't that great? Isn't that amazing? And so what a contrast between God and Satan. What a contrast between the followers of Satan and the followers of God. So it's all about who we are surrendered to, who we are living for. That's what it's all about. And it makes all the difference in whether your experience in life is heavenly or whether it's like hell. And it makes all the difference on our eternal destiny as well. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your presence with us today. Thank you for the scripture. And as we looked at a Satan this morning and thought about the hatred that he has for mankind and looked at the reason of why he hates us, Lord, we are so grateful that we are made in your image. And we realize the tragedy of the great fall there in the Garden of Eden and the control that Satan has over mankind. We thank you that through putting our faith and trust in you, we can escape the clutches of Satan and experience a little bit of of heaven on earth. But we recognize that the hatred that Satan has for us does not stop. It continues on and is many times multiplied simply because he wants to get us back. He he wants to, to win us back into his realm of of rule again but lord let's not uh, allow that to happen let's use the power of the spirit that lives within us to endure unto the end lord we love you and we thank you so much for rescuing us and help us to be uh, do a good job of representing you to be a, a good image of you as people look at us and also to allow our character to be a godly character so that people would be drawn towards you and into your kingdom. So I thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and have a song. Demetrius, if you could have a song, please. presence with us today and I just thank you for each one of my brothers and sisters. I ask that you would dismiss us with your blessing and help us to be a blessing to those that we come into contact with and to do a a good job of, of representing you. We thank you most of all for the Lord Jesus and for him being willing to come and to give his life there in Calvary. 
so that we could have and experience this spiritual life, which is so precious. Help us to guard it and to cherish it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You're dismissed. Tree.